Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast. We're excited to share this weekend's conversation with you from Pastor Jerry Hendricks. If you would like to subscribe, find us on iTunes or go to fbcsweetwater.org. Well, this is my favorite time of year. And it's, uh, we've finished up, as far as I'm concerned, the summer ministry and all those opportunities and the busyness of summer. And we have a couple of weeks of transition or maybe less until the start of school. Now, I know that when I say or mention the start of school, I cannot make eye contact with everyone because some of you are not as excited about the start of school as I am. But I think there's something about this transition where we go into the fall, things return to normal, our normal schedule and a better routine, a more consistent routine. And part of that is just the anticipation of some of the things that are unknown. For instance, don't you wonder if the Dallas Cowboys are going to be any good this year? Or will they just be overrated like every other year? I can't help but wonder if I'm going to waste one more year of season tickets on my favorite college team. But then it all kind of dissipates because I get excited about the November and the start of basketball season. The fall for me holds a lot of anticipation and excitement about possibilities. In fact, possibly, in our experience together, not just relationally through life and through things that we like and our own preferences, but even through our church life, I think we look forward to some of those defining moments in our experience together where we collectively see God at work, both in individuals and in our community, in our faith life. When we think about the text that we read earlier today, I think what we see in this picture, this this brief glimpse, is a defining moment in the life of the disciples. And I look forward to those moments in my own life. Those moments where I feel as if God is teaching me and I'm drawn into his presence and I have the opportunity to hear maybe once again something that I've heard before but maybe have forgotten or pushed to the side. Or maybe there's that chance that God will say something new to me. Something fresh that will challenge me and prepare me to be that disciple that God really intends for me to be if I can completely surrender myself to him. When we think about these moments, we see this picture of Jesus taking his disciples to Caesarea Philippi. Now that's not just any trip. That's a long trip. Even by today's standards, if you were to drive in a car from Bethsaida where they were to Caesarea Philippi, it would take well over an hour to get there. So they go out on this journey together. The classroom has transitioned from being in a crowd near the Sea of Galilee where there was a lot of activity to a journey, or as I like to call it in my experience, let's walk and talk. You have that experience where you're together for an extended period of time, and you have that opportunity to open up the conversation, and through that conversation, learn a little bit more about where you really are in life. And Jesus removes his disciples from the crowd. From the busyness of this ministry that had taken place in and around Galilee for an extended period of time. And he's taking them away for a reason. He's taking them away to have this defining moment with them. And as they walk, he changes the classroom to this journey. And he asks them this question. In your experience, what have you heard about me? Now that's a paraphrase. What are people saying 
about me. In the experiences that you've had among the crowd, among your friends, those people that you live with, that you interact with, what is it that they're saying about me? And they had a pretty good report. I mean, when you look at the resume that they presented to Jesus, the names that they were attributing to Jesus were significant. But possibly a little off the mark. They couldn't help it. They'd been influenced under this Jewish thought for some time with this preconceived idea about what the Messiah ought to be, what the Messiah ought to be about. In fact, when you go back and you look at some of the writings, the historic writings between the Old Testament and New Testament, you find some interesting things about their concept of what the Messiah was going to be about. They thought the Messiah would come during a time of tribulation. That there would be a time of turmoil and crisis and that through that experience that they would become, uh, come to this place of unrest, losing hopefulness in their own experience that they could work their way out of it, that they could anoint another king that would lead them into a better, more prosperous time. And so there was this tribulation that they believed that they were going to experience that only the Messiah could bring them out of. But before the Messiah would come Elijah. And Elijah would come as a person of peace. He would come in, and as he began to usher in his experience with the Jewish people, the tribulation would begin to recede and begin to calm down. And there would be a time of peace. And in that time of peace, this Elijah would proclaim the coming of the Messiah. Now, they were excited about this. The Messiah was not just a name. It was a position, it was a place, it was a role that this person would fulfill in their history and in their time. And in the coming of the Messiah, the nations would unite under him. And as they began to unite under him, they would gain strength and they would go out and they would conquer those who had opposed them. They would position themselves through the leadership of this Messiah to become the powerful nation that they always dreamed that they should be because after all, they were God's chosen people. Through that experience, they envisioned this time where the Jewish people would come together that through this period prior to that, they had kind of dispersed into different regions and different areas. But now under the leadership of the Messiah, they've all come together. And they experienced this unity together, this power, this beautiful moment that would not just last for a period, but would last for eternity. Their dream would finally become true that Jerusalem really would become the very center of the world. You see, in their experience, they had anointed kings. But the one that they dreamed of, the one that they longed for, only God could anoint. Only God could anoint the Messiah. So these disciples make their way to Caesarea Philippi, which is a, is a long distance from, from the Sea of Galilee where they had been doing ministry. And as they begin to walk, they begin to think about, Jesus puts them in his place where they start thinking about their idea of who he is. And against that backdrop, Peter says, you're the Messiah. Now, at this point, I want us to understand this. 
that in our experience, if we're going to go with Jesus, we need to know Jesus. In your life this morning, as you sit here and we share this experience together and you prepare yourself to go with Jesus, you need to make sure that you know Jesus. Now, we've been through this before. Through the earlier gospel, or earlier parts of this gospel in the earlier chapters, we've had these clarifying moments before where we're trying to understand who Jesus is. But in this one last effort, Jesus removes his disciples from the context that they had been accustomed to for a period of time. And he takes them to a place where he can get them alone and ask them this very important question. Because if they were going to go with him, they would have to know him. It wasn't enough to dream about, to think about what they perceived would happen when the Messiah came. They had to know who Jesus was. If you're going to go with him yourself, you're going to have to know who he is for yourself. He removes himself from the crowd and they make this journey and they begin to discover who Jesus is. And then Jesus begins to describe what his Messiahship looks like. Now, he had been speaking about this cryptically for several days for several, or several, for a long period of time in the chapters that we've read. Remember, he talked to them in parables. Now, remember that they didn't always quite understand the parables. And there were times when Jesus would pull his disciples aside and he would explain the parables to them. But he spoke so that those who might understand that would grasp that. It was a cryptic message about who he was. And then in verse 31, he begins to describe to them the experience of the Messiah that they knew. This Jesus. He said he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. That is not the Messiah that they had envisioned. Throughout their conversations, throughout their upbringing and their life, the, fam the, the, the history that their family had shared with them, when they talked about the Messiah, that was not the picture that had been planted in their mind or put in their heart. One last time, they had the opportunity to come together as those that God has chosen to come with Him, to be His disciples, to hear Jesus teach them one important lesson before they make their way back down toward Jerusalem. And in making preparation for this, they came to a turning point. In fact, this, this particular text is, is known as the turning point in this gospel. It's where everything kind of comes, uh, everything changes and kind of comes back to center and anchor itself on who Jesus really is and, and the Jesus that we would know and the Jesus that we would need for, their own, for our own repentance of sin, forgiveness, and to have a life with Him. We have to know Jesus as the Messiah in our own experience. Pushing away any preconceived ideas that we might have about what faith life is like, what we do when we come to Him is that we want to know Him and know Him as He is. And in knowing him, preparing ourselves to go with him. 
to do those things that he has called us to do. So that we recognize his voice when he speaks to us. That our relationship is, is strong enough with him that it's not something that, that, that jars us or shakes us, but it's something that we understand and we hear and we assimilate into our life. And because we can do that, we can move forward with him. Jesus as Messiah for us, the Christ, is significant if we're going to take that next step with him. We have to gain that understanding in our life. We have to be ready to receive the experience that he's going to lead us into. They struggle at this point. Jesus was going to conquer through suffering. You see, when we talk about, when we think about their idea, the Jewish idea of what a Messiah was about, they did not see, they could not picture or imagine conquering or winning through suffering. There was this idea of, of winning at war, of no longer being oppressed, no longer being on the losing end of a battle and being enslaved for years. Rather, it was this picture of a Messiah who came as king, as unlike any other king. And as Jesus begins to describe it for them, he describes it in a suffering tone. He spoke plainly about this. So plainly that Peter had the courage to rebuke him. Now you would think, having walked with Jesus for a while, that this kind of the thing was not going to happen. But in, even in Peter's mind, in this moment, in this redefining process, even though he knew and felt as if Jesus was the Messiah he could not imagine the Messiah being able to be who he, claimed, who he thought he was going to be through a suffering experience. And so he rebuked him. And Jesus, so that we might understand it, put that rebuke into perspective. When he said, get behind me, Satan. Peter's doubt at this moment comes in full view for us. And we have the opportunity to experience it and, and handle this firsthand for ourselves and asking, our own, asking in our own heart and our own mind who we think Jesus is, who we need Jesus to be in our life so that he can redeem us, so that he can prepare a way for us. He said, you do not have in mind the concerns of God. You're just merely concerned about these human things. You see... If we're going to go with Jesus, we need to know Jesus. And if we know anything about Jesus, it's that there's a kingdom that he's ushered in, that he's tried to help us to understand, that occurs in our own presence. It's present with us here this morning. It's a part of our day-to-day -day experience. The kingdom of God has come before us through Jesus Christ. It wasn't about power. It wasn't about control. It wasn't about politics. It was about understanding the kingdom of God as it came in through Jesus. And having the opportunity to observe him, to know him, and to, to, just, to want to walk with him. To be a part of the kingdom that he came to establish. Not the one that we had established in our own mind. 
God wills and does his work in our presence and we receive that. Sometimes we don't understand it, but let me tell you something. We don't have to understand it. We can demonstrate our faith. And in demonstrating our faith, we see God working in us to help us understand who he is, to help us to know who he is. So that we don't have to move forward with with an attitude of doubt or a spirit of doubt, but we move forward with a spirit of faith and confidence, knowing that God is going to work together things for the world that he's put us in. Jesus painted this picture for them of the cross. Possibly the crudest way that they could imagine that this kingdom would come about. At this point, the scripture says in verse 34 that he called the crowd to him along with his disciples. And he said this. He said these words. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Those are familiar words. If you've been in church for very long, if you've been a disciple for very long or a follower of Jesus for very long, you've probably heard those words before and they had some meaning to you. I mean, we have an experience of knowing what the cross was like. We've talked about it. We talk about it each year, sometimes in great detail about what that suffering was like and what it meant and what, they had, what Jesus had to endure for us. We talk about flesh and bone and blood and we want to experience as much as possible the reality of what Jesus went through to pay for our sins. You see, when we think about the cross, it's not that maybe horrific experience because we've never witnessed it with our own eyes, but we witness it with our spirit. Every time we think about the cross and Jesus dying for our sins. But that hasn't happened yet. That's not a part of the story yet. And this defining moment for the disciples, Jesus says to them, you have to deny yourself and to take up your cross and follow me. This, this conquering kingdom would not be one at war. It would not be one with power and strength. It would be one with the cross and with suffering. If we're going to go with Jesus, we need to know Jesus. We need to know that Jesus is is teaching us and, and shaping us and forming us to be his followers. We need to understand that in this following, it doesn't always look like what we thought it might look like. Sometimes on this path, there's disappointment. There's things that in our expectations, they fall way short of what we thought God was going to do. And that might be the form of suffering for us in our relationship with him. There may be something that's happened in your life that for you is a defining moment where you felt like that God was distant from you, but then ultimately you experienced his nearness because of the difficulty that you've gone through. And that suffering has helped you to understand the kingdom of God that is here in your presence. That's your experience of going with him. And through that going with him, ultimately knowing him. If we want to put ourselves in that place of, of understanding God and knowing God, we have to be ready for the new way that God has prepared us. Selfishly, 
I'll have this experience in my own life where sometimes it seems, and maybe you felt this for yourself at times, where it's two steps forward and then three steps back. Or maybe, I go back to my running analogies, it's like running on a treadmill. You're just working yourself to death, but you're not really getting anywhere. Suffering may be as simple as that, the suffering we experience, or it may be far more complicated. But if we're going to understand what it means to go with Jesus... We know that we're going to be placed at points of discomfort in our life. We're going to be encounter things that we don't quite understand. That don't quite seem to match up. They don't measure up. They don't, they don't fit together. They don't merge in the way that we thought that they would merge best for us to see God at work in us. I'm not implying this morning that those things are the kind of suffering that Jesus is talking about here. But I think that we have to examine our experience and look deeply enough into our life and our willingness to follow him that we can each understand what it means to fully surrender to what God has for us, for each one of us. And in that experience, we may not understand every step. It's not up to us to understand the steps, I don't believe. But I do believe that it's up to us to understand the one who guides those steps. This morning, my hope is that we would go with Jesus. That if you've never experienced a relationship with Him, if you've never considered making Him the Lord of your life, that this might be the moment today where you would consider that. Or maybe you've gone off track. That the way that God has put things together for you in your life, you've kind of gone off that, that track and you've gone off one direction or another and you know that this time might be a good time for you to kind of center yourself back into that relationship that you know that you need to have with Jesus Christ. Some this morning may struggle with a call. Sometimes I sense that we struggle with call for some time before we respond. Maybe today you just give up and say, I surrender. I'm ready.